Here we go, Law and Gospel, on February the 1st, 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we like to take a look at readings for the following Sunday, which will be the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany on February the 7th, 2021. We have an Old Testament reading from Isaiah chapter 40, an epistle from 1 Corinthians 9, and a gospel from Mark 1. We're going to take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 16. If I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. This is an important understanding of preaching the gospel in contrast to what? Preaching the law. For Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, preaching the gospel is how people can come to faith. Preaching the law simply tells them you're in trouble. You cannot meet the requirements of God. So the gospel tells them what requirements God has met on their behalf. And why is there no boasting? Because the gospel is given by grace, which means it's giving, given to people who do not deserve to receive the forgiveness of sins, the robe of righteousness, and the many bountiful blessings that God gives to believers. So, Paul cannot be boasting about the gospel because you can only boast about what you do. And the gospel is what has been done for him. So, any boasting that would occur would not be self-boasting, but boasting about God and his love for me. Paul says, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. This is something C.F.W. Walther talks about in his Law and Gospel Distinctions. The predominant teaching that a person does is the gospel. That doesn't mean that like in a sermon, the majority of words are about the gospel, but the gospel is predominant, is that is, is the goal of every sermon to get to the gospel. Because every passage is taken a look at, first of all, from a law point of view. For example, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, murder, that's not just an action. It's also a thought and a word. Well, people, therefore, are really in trouble because they know that if they haven't committed murder, they've actually thought about bad things about people or said bad things about people. And all three, thought, word, and deed, Jesus says, earns the same punishment of eternal hell. No distinction. 
So if you leave a sermon like that, you've given information about what Jesus said, but there's no hope, there's no comfort, there's no help. The gospel in the Sermon on the Mount, I have not come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have come to fulfill them, Jesus says. And if you go to other passages in the Bible, it's clear that what Jesus did is he paid the price for our sin so that now God is reconciled to you. And therefore, the gift of the forgiveness of sins is available to every person through faith in Jesus Christ. That's why the necessity to preach the gospel and make it predominant is upon Paul and every person. That includes not only pastors, but also parents in teaching their children what Jesus has done for them. Paul continues, For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward, but not of my own will. In other words, he's saying, yes, if I make this decision to preach the gospel, I have a reward, but not because of my own will. Uh, The reward would be that Paul himself understands his sins are forgiven. Paul himself uses the gospel to bring others to a proper understanding and application of the ministry of Jesus Christ. That's what Epiphany is all about, to reveal the true mission of Jesus Christ. So Paul says, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. Now, the term stewardship isn't just talking about money. It's talking about in our vocations, we have a goal to try and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he doesn't get a reward of his own will. Verse 18, what then is my reward? That in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. You see, in those days, preaching was done, and it wasn't something that you were to receive free of charge. It was something you had to pay for. Find me a religion outside of Christianity that does not say these are the works you have to do. In fact, returning to C.F.W. Walther again, he says it's amazing to him that the greatest gift that anyone can have is found in the Bible. Why do people reject this great gift, forgiveness, robe of righteousness, eternal salvation, eternal heaven? He says they do that because they cannot imagine that with such a free gift, there is not a cost to them. I had a conversation not long ago with a woman and asking her if you were 
to die today, would you go to heaven or hell? And she says, well, I'm not sure. I asked her why. Well, I don't think I've done enough to get to heaven. So I said, she was Roman Catholic, you do believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? Oh, yes. Well, are you telling me that he didn't do enough for you? And she was silent as she thought about that. The point I was making is that Jesus did all that was necessary to forgive her sins. So I said, why is it so hard for you to accept that? And she said exactly kind of what Paul is saying here, that it's such a great gift. I can't believe that I don't have to contribute to it in order to get it. And then we could have continued the conversation in talking about at Christmas, what do children do to contribute to their Christmas presents? No, the parents give them out of love to their children. And can you imagine? Well, if I said to my son, well, Luther, here's your new bicycle. And he says, oh, thanks, Dad. And then I said, but of course, you owe me $20. I mean, that doesn't happen with Christmas presents. It doesn't happen with the greatest Christmas present. And that was the birth of Jesus Christ as a human being. It is free. That's what by grace means. You receive it even though you don't deserve it. So Paul says, this is my preaching, that I may present the gospel free of charge. Verse 19, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I may win more of them. Now, this was presented in one of the readings from last week, where Paul is talking about meat offered to idols. He makes it very clear there is no such thing as an idol. They're non-existent. However, there were people who had just become Christians, and they were not fully informed of the Christian faith. They were growing. They were still on the milk of the word, moving to the meat of the word. So they believed that eating meat offered to idols put you in a situation where you were worshiping the idol. So what does Paul say? Well, in such a situation, can you imagine that weak Christian seeing you eating meat that was offered to idols? And then they go ahead and do it. And because of their thinking that is wrong, they may even lose their faith. So rather than offend them, Paul says, I will not eat meat. And therefore, that is how Paul is becoming a servant to these people, that he serves them and doesn't want to put anything in the way of their salvation. So he makes himself a servant of all. How does he do that? Verse 20, to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, he would go to the synagogue. He would worship there and he would preach there like Jesus did. Jesus preached at the synagogue. And as Jews, he would also not do things that Jews thought were inappropriate. So there was food to be eaten, but in Jewish thought, there is unclean food and clean food. And Paul, therefore, would not eat unclean food when he was with Jews in order not to offend them unnecessarily. And therefore, he served them according to their tradition. Now, he didn't sin in order to become like a Jew, but when he was around Jews, he kind of followed their tradition because he had the freedom that he didn't have to, but in order to win more of them, he did. Remember, you had Timothy and Titus. One of them he had circumcised and not the other because Jews did not like listening to someone who wasn't circumcised. Now, he did not have to be circumcised, but in order to open the conversation up, Paul encouraged that circumcision. And therefore, to the Jews, he became as a Jew in order to win Jews. The next one, this is verse 20. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. Now, what does that mean? Well, Paul says that if you want to kind of compare him according to the flesh with anybody else, he beats out everybody. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He definitely was someone who obeyed the ceremonial laws. And so Jesus did that also. Remember the ceremonial laws? He was following. Now, sometimes he didn't. Like he would work on the Sabbath in having his disciples pick grain and eat it in the fields. But he was Lord of the Sabbath. But most times, he followed the ceremonial laws. He was circumcised. He was taken to the temple by his parents at the appropriate time in order that they might give an offering. And that's when, of course, he, they met Simeon and Anna. So Jesus also was under the law, even though he was not under the curse of the law, because he never sinned. And because of the forgiveness of sins, Paul says, boy, I was one who was following the laws of the ceremonies not because I had to, but in order to win those. Then he says, to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. But now he explains it. Not being outside the law of God, 
but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. Now, who are those that were outside the law? They were Gentiles. Gentiles were looked down upon by Jews because they were not following the ceremonial laws at all. And Jesus also dealt with them. The feeding of the 5,000, that was with Jews. The feeding of the 4,000, that was with Gentiles. So Jesus participated in both groups, and he did that in order that he might win those that he refers to as outside the law. Verse 22, to the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. Now, what does that mean? Well, I've already mentioned it. In eating food offered to idols, Christians can buy that food and eat it. Food doesn't make you contrary to the will of God. But to weak Christians who thought that, boy, if I did that, I'd be worshiping an idol. And are these Christians who are eating that meat worshiping idols? So Paul says, I will not eat meat when I am with the weak. This is very important even for congregations, that when we got the new hymnal, we didn't buy it and distribute it because people love the old hymnal. Instead, we began to use various hymns out of the new hymnal that weren't in the old hymnal, and we spoke about the liturgies until the congregation pretty well was accepting the new hymnal, and then we bought it. And we also made a situation where people were encouraged to donate towards that, but they donated in such a way that they received a hymnal for their home so they could take a look at the hymns at home and use them in study. So there was another rule we had. There were houses around our church, and one day some of the workers from the church were fixing up uh, the parsonage, and they were drinking beer. And there's nothing wrong with drinking beer, but one of the neighbors who is not Lutheran was very upset over that and wrote a letter to the church. So the church I was at for 28 years had a rule that they would not serve alcoholic beverages on the church grounds. Now, we had the right to drink a beer. Nobody was getting drunk, but the necessity to be with the weak so as not to lose them was very important. And so that was kind of a rule. And each church, because of the neighborhood they're living in, may have such guidance in order that the weak are not unnecessarily forgiven, uh, are not necessarily offended, I meant. So Paul concludes, 
I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. Once more, the blessings of the gospel need to become predominant in the life of Paul. And therefore, he became like a Jew, like those under the law, like those outside the law, like those who were weak in the faith. Verse 24, do you not know that in a race, all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Now, it sounds like Paul's giving the impression that if you run pro properly, you get a reward of the prize. But that would be salvation by works. So he's not talking about running in the sense to earn salvation, but running your life in such a way that you are not an offense to others, that you might, what? Win Jews, win those under the law, win those outside the law, win, win those who are weak. So run that you may obtain it. And he's already talked about what the prize was. And that prize was not of his own will, but that he may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. He continues, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Yeah, can you imagine a runner who decides that maybe for the last part of the run, he'll skip along rather than run along. Or if he's jumping over those items in a race, that he decides to go around a couple of them. Well, he's not going to win the race because he doesn't follow what he should be doing. He exercises self-control. He says these athletes do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. What's the imperishable wreath? It's the one that never perishes, heaven as our home. And we do that because of self-control in front of others, so we do not necessarily offend them. So, Paul says, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. In other words, if he's in a boxing situation, he's not just missing the head of a person or the body. He's just flailing his arms in the air. He says that isn't going to work. You know that a boxer needs to be fighting in a way so he wins the boxing championship and not beating in the air. Beating in the air would mean that we just tell people about the law. 
you better be doing this according to God's will. That would be beating in the air. But that doesn't give an imperishable gift to those who believe the message of the gospel. Law and gospel is pretty simple to understand. The law is always a demand which you have to meet in order to be saved. The gospel is the good news of a free gift given to you by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul concludes this section, verse 27. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now, in the sermon on Sunday, because one of the parishes I'm at is seeking a full-time pastor and calling, I was mentioning in the sermon that, therefore, they should have not too much of a concern since they're calling pastors from the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. But I did mention that there were some pastors uh, not in the list that they received from their district president to call another pastor, but others in the synod. One pastor had to be removed from a college because he was teaching what? He was teaching that women ordination is okay and that evolution is the way that God created the world. Well, that's false teaching. And so it really doesn't matter much of what he was preaching because what he would do after he was preaching was contrary to the word of God. And he therefore lost the ability to bring other people to faith simply because these other items were on people's minds. So tomorrow, continuing our Epiphany hymns, we're going to look with Pastor Mark Smith. Hail to the Lord's anointed. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. Thank you so much for listening to Law and Gospel, and we'll hopefully have you hear us tomorrow. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.